so let us begin and, and focus a little bit on, uh, on, on the mercy of the spiritual master who has opened our darkened eyes. Om Ajnana Timarandasya Pyanandana Shalakaya Shakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Sigurive Shi Chaitanya Mano Bistam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Tadati Swapadati Kamayam Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhupanichanam Sri Advaita Gadara Sivasari Gaur Bhaktivedanta Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare so we like to begin this talk by uh, taking the story of Raghunadas Goswami, the, the Mukta Charita story, the story of Krishna planting pearls. I think many of you know the story, at least to, to an extent. <coughs> it's just a very nice story how, uh, how the gopis had so many, so many pearls. And how, because their parents had many, many pearls. Uh, and uh, actually there was some talk about a marriage proposal from, uh, from Maharaj Visavani to Nanda and Yasoda. Uh, but, you know, they were going to, uh, give a really big dowry, so many pearls and this, that. So Nanda uh, and also felt they, they had to give gifts, but they, they didn't really have anything. So uh, and nothing in comparison to Maharaj Visabhani, so they didn't quite know how to uh, reciprocate. So Krishna then, he went, he was inclined. So Krishna went to the gopis, and Krishna said, he came to ask for some cow, for some pearls for his cows. And the gopi said, pearls for cows, you know, I mean, you don't give pearls for cows. I mean, you know, these are very valuable pearls and they're not really meant for cows. And uh, so they refused to give any to Krishna. So, yes, so they had some pearls and Krishna went to Yasoda and asked if he could have the pearls. And she said, yes, 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 since he was her darling and she was inclined to give him whatever, whatever he asked for. So then um, she, um, she gave him the pearls and said, what are you gonna do with this pearl? He said, well, I'm gonna plant them and then we get very nice pearl bushes and many, many, many pearls. Said, ah, said, Krishna, you cannot plant pearls. He said, no, no, you can, you can. And he planted the pearls and then he watered them with milk. And sure enough, after some days, these bushes came and then on the bushes, so many pearls were growing. And it was just amazing. Everyone was just overwhelmed. How is this possible? Then uh, the gopis, they were really impressed and they, um, they took all the pearls from their parents and they also planted them and started both milk and everything. But after some days, all that came out were just thorn bushes. So now they were in big trouble. They had lost their, their pearls and yeah, um, how 
to get out of this. And of course, you know, push the first uh, sit down and all. How can I give you my, my pearls there for the cows? You know what I mean? Uh, the gopis had to come and make, and eventually uh, the matter was resolved. Anyhow, back to the, the concept of planting pearls. So I'd like to make the analogy that we are all receiving our vows. Uh, as soon as we come in touch with Krishna consciousness, uh, we get these vows of chanting our 16 rounds, no meat, fish, or eggs, no, no gambling, no intoxication, no illicit sex. These vows are like valuable diamonds, like, like pearls. These vows are, are very precious gifts. When we take these precious gifts, we can uh, not only we uh, look after them, Hare Krishna. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, we're experiencing a few technical difficulties, but uh, Maharaj will be rejoining in just a few moments. So please stay on the line. Uh-huh. Hi, Can I back? Can is there someone who can confirm to me that that the reception is okay? Yes, Marge, we can hear you. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Um, so, I was. I'll summarize. I basically take the analogy of planting the pearls to planting the vows that we're living with and the vows are great jewels, great pearls. And now let us invest in watering these vows by hearing chanting and devotional service. And then they will produce beautiful, wonderful uh, byproducts. So many more unknown pearls and jewels than will come our way. Uh, in other words, uh, Krishna consciousness is not about the vows. Although that is one thing that is in the beginning, very, very central in our life. Um, very much 
live with vows and feel also uh, the limitations of vows. And vows are important because these vows, they make us act on a level which is above where we would be if we would just be spontaneous and natural. So the vows take us to a higher standard of life. Uh, sometimes that's a little difficult to maintain. But we do. <clears throat> we do because we don't just take these vows out of duty. We take the vows out of love. Because the, the vows are part of a loving relationship with our spiritual must. Um, therefore, it's important that uh, there is such a relationship. Now, when that relationship is there and there is a warm, uh, affectionate, mutual relationship, that can carry us through uh, so much. Now, we can speak in spiritual life. There are many different kinds of vows we can make. And I've sort of divided them uh, in, in categories. Uh, one category, the most important category, are the vows that I would refer to as primary vows. Primary vows are the vows that take us back to Godhead. And simply chanting 16 rounds, four regulated principles. Secondary vows are, are vows of support. We may, uh, a marriage vow is, is an, Rihasta Ashram can be an important uh, element of support in our spiritual life. Or a sannyas vow, it can be uh, a great stimulus. Um, uh, in the sannyas, we say, So we're saying that uh, in the sannyas, there's firm determination to take, uh, to take shelter of, uh, of the lotus feet of Krishna. And then that will be the boat that will take us across the ocean of material existence. In the Grihasta Ashram, uh, a husband and wife are together committing to Krishna consciousness and then supporting each other in their Krishna consciousness. So, uh, while at the same time having their, uh, their, their male, female exchanges in, in, uh, in, uh, in social life. So the point I'd like to, uh, to make today is that we can, we can grow by embracing these vows. And uh, the vows, I have compared them sometimes to um, just like we take a, uh, we take a pole, a wooden pole, 
and we're trying to set up that pole on, on the beach. Now, I don't know if you have experience with that. I do because I, am, like, I grew up very close to the beach. So therefore, uh, to put a pole in the sand right, is difficult. The sand is soft, you have to put the pole deep. But that's, but that's only the beginning. If you really want the pole to stand very strong, then you put some lines on the pole on different sides. And then even the wind or nothing, even a storm won't blow it over. Then it's felt really strong. Then it's anchored, you know, properly anchored. So in the same way, we, we anchor these vows. We don't just take these vows by determination, but we anchor them by uh, support activities. It is actually the hearing and the chanting that uh, will give us more strength to maintain the vow. Without it, how could we do? We know if we, if we don't, if we're not absorbed in devotional service, then we will become spiritually weak and our determination weakens. Now, it's not that the purpose of devotional service is to nourish vows, it is the purpose of the vows to nourish devotional service, so that we come to pure devotional service. But there is a there is a mutual reciprocation. We need to uh, nourish our vows if we want to um, if we want to be able to maintain them and and grow. And that, of course, is our desire to grow in our Krishna consciousness. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is a quote from the Chaitanya Charitamrita Adi Lila, chapter 4, uh, which describes a competition between the qualities of Krishna and the love of Srimati Radharani. And then it is said that Radharani loves all the qualities of Krishna. But then she finds that he has unlimited qualities, so she discovers a new quality that she had never known before, and immediately she loves that also. In this way, there's this competition between, uh, between the unlimited qualities of Krishna and the love of Srimati Radharani, who just keeps on embracing more and more qualities. And in this way, her love for Krishna is also eternally increasing. And that is really how Krishna consciousness works. Um, gradually, our uh, understanding who Krishna is will change and we'll discover more and more of his qualities. Maybe in the beginning, what do we know? Uh, something maybe just by some exposure. We may have seen a picture. Okay, yellow dhoti, tree bent form, playing flute, lotus eyes. These are the kind of things we can think about. A peacock feather. Um, all right, some of the attributes of Krishna. But one could, when, when we find out more and more about Krishna, then <clears throat> we can maybe remember that Krishna was playing his flute. And he played it just so amazingly wonderful that everyone, everyone 
was in ecstasy. Then the peacocks came. And the peacocks, they just began to dance and they just, just really did like, because of that wonderful fruit player, the peacocks danced in ways that were also extraordinary. They became swept up in the whole thing. And they danced in ways that like, you know, even beyond their normal dancer dancing, although peacocks are good dancers. Anyhow, so the peacocks were so happy with Krishna for this amazing flute playing that they took their, their peacock feather and gave that to Krishna as an offering. And Krishna was very pleased. And then, and since then, uh, he always wears that peacock feather on his head, you know, to honor that gift of the peacocks. All right, just a little story. Huh? But it is just, actually with that little story, we have just expanded the dimension of the peacock feather. We have now, now we'll see the dancing peacocks and all pastime. And from now on, whenever we see Krishna's peacock feather, we can remember how the peacocks gave him that peacock feather as a token of their love. And that that is the reason why Krishna always wears it on his head to reciprocate with that love. So now we are, are entering into a, a whole aspect of, of Krishna's wonderful nature, how he is actually reciprocating, how he is reciprocating so much with, uh, with his devotees. So just see, uh, there's a whole uh, deeper meaning to the peacock feather. It is a reciprocation of love with his devotees. And that is Krishna. So now that I have uh, found out about this, now suddenly the peacock feather doesn't just look beautiful, but now it also, it doesn't just show the beauty of Krishna and wearing a peacock feather, but it also shows the beauty of Krishna's nature, of Krishna's heart, how he is reciprocating. And so my understanding of Krishna has grown. So over time, as we are living with our vows, we stay on a track of selflessness. We stay on a track of giving up atmendriya, uh, prittivancha, of pursuing the enjoyment of our own senses and instead atmendriya prittivancha tarabodhikam, krishnendriya prittivancha tarapremanam. That if we are pursuing the satisfaction of our own senses, then we are preoccupied with lust. And if we pursue satisfying the senses of Krishna, then we are pursuing love. So as we are pursuing, the vows help us to pursue satisfying the senses of Krishna. And this, and then our love for Krishna will naturally awaken. Just as we are uh, discussing, just as we are discussing the uh, uh, 
very nice description of, of the peacock feather on Krishna's head. And we are just uh, appreciating our love for Krishna has grown a little bit because we see how kind hearted Krishna is and he reciprocates. Another example of Krishna's reciprocation um, it can be found in the nectar of devotion when there's a description about Draupadi, where it is said that Krishna, when he was, he said, whenever I'm remembering Draupadi and how he surrendered everything, and when the, the Kauravas were trying to pull off her sari, that she just threw her hands in the air and called out, hey, Golden. When I'm remembering Draupadi, Krishna says, then my appreciation for her increases. So now this speaks about something uh, about that reciprocation from Krishna. And how the reciprocation from Krishna <coughs> is uh, increasing and increasing because Krishna's appreciation for the devotee's service is increasing and increasing whenever he remembers. That is Krishna's nature. And Krishna is not known to be forgetful. So Krishna basically goes, oh, that was such nice service. Ah, yes. He did such nice service. And it is true. Uh, we also are like that. If we see someone who did such nice service, how can we forget? We will remember it over time. And, and that, that will create a deep relationship. Therefore, as we are, the vows are giving us the selfless foundation by which we can approach Krishna and then explore his unlimited qualities. And then our love for him can develop. When there are no vows of purity and we bring our own uh, selfish tendencies towards sense gratification with us, then it will be very difficult to actually uh, approach Krishna and to explore his qualities in a loving way because we'll all the time be preoccupied with our own desires. I want this, I want that, and is this actually satisfying my desires or not? And you know what I mean? I like kirtan, but I also like maybe some other music and does it only have to be kirtan or can it be something else? Or okay, if it cannot be, uh, hip hop or, or this that can it be Krishna hip hop or can it be uh, you know uh, or if that doesn't work can it be sitar you know maybe mother goodness or bamboo flute and is that okay so we want to stretch one who brings desires for, uh, for for personal sense enjoyment in is is interfering is coming in between the dynamics of exploring and embracing Krishna's unlimited qualities and reciprocating with love and, and making endless offerings for Krishna's pleasure. So in this way, the vows are our gift. Um, 
It is our gift to Krishna. Uh, but when we are Atmendriya, when we are satisfied, when we are focused on our own senses, then we feel all oh, these vows. Oh, these vows, these vows are, are heavy vows. These vows are not easy at all because these vows are so restrictive. And oh, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. Uh, but the more we begin to think, oh, my dear Krishna, oh, my wonderful Krishna, you are kindness, kindness personified. Because you are always making arrangements to, to bestow mercy upon all the conditioned souls. When the living being leaves the spiritual world, and when the living being enters into a material body, oh, kind Krishna, you don't leave him alone. Although the living being has sort of expressed the desire that he wants to be alone, and that he doesn't want to, to serve, and that now he wants to enjoy and control himself. Aham, Iswaroham, Aham, Loki, I'm the controller, I'm the enjoyer. And, and Krishna says, all right, all right, if you really want that, okay, you go. But Krishna doesn't tell, he also goes. And as the living being, enters into a material body and becomes captured in that material body, Krishna also enters into the material body as the super soul. And Dwasuparana Sakya Krishna, like two birds that have entered into a green tree and sitting on the branches. And one tree is eating the fruits of the tree and the other bird is watching him and telling him, don't waste your time. These fruits are not that tasty. Uh, there are much better things than these fruits. And in this way, Krishna is there all the time, although the living being is not so prone to listen. So, the real point I want to make with this is how kind is Krishna? How much Krishna is going out of his way, out of his way to somehow or other Remind us in the higher regions of the universe, the Kinaras are flying and their wings are producing the sound of the Samaveda. And so everyone always can hear the, the mantras of the Samaveda, the glorification of Krishna. So these are all Krishna's arrangements, somehow or other that opportunities, endless opportunities are coming. That is Krishna's causelessness. Therefore, it begins with Krishna's kindness. Everything begins with Krishna's kindness. And then, then we make a gift and we come before Krishna and say, oh Krishna, Krishna, I have embraced these vows, and I'm bringing them to you, this wealth, and these, these vows, I am, uh, I am now planting, planting in my heart, 
And in this way, in my heart, I'm now planting a commitment of purity. And purity is the foundation. It is the foundation of devotional service. Because purity means given up selfishness, given up selfish desire, and caring only, caring only for Krishna's pleasure. Of course, we are in between. We're in between. We still have some attraction to material pleasures, but we also understand that there is a higher goal in life. So at least intellectually, we have arrived. At least intellectually, we have arrived to the point where we say, yes, yes, purity, pure devotional service, uh, without any personal motivation. That is, is our goal. That is what we desire to reach. So here are these vows. And although in the beginning, we feel the pushings of the senses. Pachavegam, Manasakarodavegam, Jivavegam, Rapasthavegam, Etanvegam, Vizahetavira, Sarvamapimam, Prithivinsasasyat. The Upadesamrita, the Nectar of Instruction, Rupa Goswami's book, which is a very short book, okay, the way Prabhupada published it is with relatively long purports, also including comments from Srila Bhaktisiddhanta's purport. And uh, so it's still a book, but if you look at how many verses, it's very short. And it's almost like sutras. It is the same knowledge of the nectar of devotion. Um, I, I remember one year I was in Mayapur teaching the nectar of devotion. And at the same time, Jayadreta Swami was teaching the nectar of instruction. And then we would meet for lunch and we would discuss what we had been teaching. So what did you teach and what did you teach? And, da, da, da. and we found that we were pretty much teaching the same. Right? We're teaching the same themes. Right? Sometimes one was a day ahead of the other, but basically uh, the Upadesamrita, the nectar of instruction is, is very close to the nectar of devotion and is, is kind of a short version. Now, in the nectar of instruction, uh, we get that verse about the pushings of the senses, the pushings of speech. Um, I'm going to be quiet. Uh, and then speech just comes out. I have the story that my mother told me as a child about two princesses and one, when she opened her mouth, uh, roses came out. And the other one, when she opened her mouth, frogs came out. In, in our case, we try for roses and every once in a while, the inadvertent frog comes, hops out and just bounces through the room. And it's a bit embarrassing. And, oh my God, I mean, what did I say? It slipped out. Uh, so, vajavegam, so many things slip out, how difficult to control speech. 
How can we control speech? Um, so many things I, I've said about people that said, why did I say that? So many, so many things just, just slip out of my mouth. Things that I actually don't like, but they came out. It's still there inside, somehow or another. It's like I'm a divided personality, a, slipped per, uh, a split personality uh, with different sides. Yes, this is true. There's our conditioned nature, and there's a desire, a desire to be a devotee, a desire to awaken our love for Krishna. There's a desire. And with these two uh, sides, we are battling. So we are battling with our, um, with our minds and senses. And on the other hand, we are engaged in devotional service. The vows are our anchors of purity so that we are not being washed away um, by the waves of these pushings. But it was Vahachavegam, Manasavegam, the pushings of the mind. Oh, yes, mind, yes. Um, um, what's on the other channel? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, what else is going on? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, mind. So, Manasavegam, the pushings of the mind, Krodavegam, pushings of, of anger, uh, Jivavegam, pushings of the tongue, Udrapastavegam, the, the belly and, and, and the genitals uh, that we come together when we eat very heavily, so we learned, then that puts pressure on the genitals and will actually make sex desire stronger. Anyhow, so all this sense control, um, sense control, uh, and that is, is, uh, is difficult, right? Um, sense control. Now, when we're looking at vowels, there are two sides. The vowels, I said, is like an anchor. You can also say it's like a line. And then there's spiritual life below the line and spiritual life above the line. Spiritual life above the line is the spiritual life that starts flourishing and will bring us so many inspirations and advancement and, and so on. And spiritual life below the line of of the vows is is where we struggle. It is the uh, it is the spiritual life of struggle, and uh, and of course a lot of people are below the line, and and they are struggling. So uh, how to deal with that uh, is is a question that come up, and Shri Prabhupada would say. Failure is the pillar of success, the pillar of success. And he would say that uh, it is devotional service. It's not required uh, to perform any 
any atonement separate. It is simply devotional service that will make us stronger. So it's not that I'm struggling, I'm below the vows. What am I going to do now? How do I get up there? I just can't get up there. And I feel so much guilt and I feel so much discouragement and I'm struggling and it's just so difficult and I just think it's never going to happen and all these things. No, 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 no. It's because we think that we are the doer. We think we are the doer. And we think that, as, that it depends on us that we have to overcome this. And I can't overcome this. I can't overcome this weakness. I know I'm just tried so often. But I just can't do it when we get desperate. But what we don't understand is we are not doer. It is not by our own doing that we are going to rise from below the vows to above the vows. No. It is simply by devotional service. It is devotional service that will bring us up and deliver us from this behavior that is below the vows. Therefore, <clears throat> when we are struggling, let us uh, make, a, make, a, make a concerted effort in devotional service. Of course, essence is chanting Hare Krishna. And so, yeah, now that's exactly my problem. I know, I know, it is the most important. I've heard it from all the scriptures, Rupa Goswami, I've heard it. Rupa Goswami says, this is the first and foremost limb of bhakti of all the 64 limbs of bhakti. This one is the most important. I've heard it. I heard Jiva Goswami say, and Jiva Goswami said, all devotional service must be followed and preceded by chanting Hare Krishna. I've heard it. I've heard the verse, Hari Nama, Hari Nama, Hari Nama, Hari Nama, Eva Kevalam. Only, only this chanting, only this chanting, only, the only way I've heard it. But, I find it impossible what to do then. Anyway, try and chant what you can. Can you chant something? If not 16, can you do eight? Can you do four? Chant then a lower number and chant. And for the rest, do devotional service. And that devotional service and that chanting of the lower number will purify us and eventually will come to the higher number. So in this way, devotional service will carry us eventually above the line of the vows when we are in the category of struggling devotee. There's no doubt about that. So don't worry. How will I overcome? How will I overcome? I can't overcome. How can I do it? It's impossible. I'm so discouraged. I don't know. Maybe I just throw in the towel. I'm going to give up. Don't worry. Don't worry. Because actually, uh, this devotional service is so powerful, so potent, 
that we will we will make advancement. We will become purified, and then eventually we will we will come to the level of maintaining the vows, and then we can go above the vows and invest more in because as we are anchored in the vows we are anchored then in selflessness like i said and that's when uh, obviously we can become more absorbed in just serving krishna um, as long as we are uh, struggling with our senses we remain limited to the concept of life we always think about the body the body the body the senses the body and with that we are the phenomenal world uh, the world the material world will be the main reality so as long as we are preoccupied satisfying the senses the material world will remain the main reality whereas when we are coming to the point of simply satisfying the senses of Krishna, then the material world becomes more and more secondary and gradually we begin to perceive the spiritual world, the world of Krishna as the real world, as the important world, as the world where it is really happening. And this is what will have to happen. Uh, I have in previous seminars on this topic, living with vows, given the example i'm gonna do it on my hand uh, of of walking and taking steps so here we go um, we're taking a step forward now all the weight is on one leg and then we put down the leg the forward leg and the weight gradually shifts on the forward leg and we lift the hind leg move it forward now and it lands on my watch and the weight shifts and there goes up the other leg and it goes forward yes so as we are putting the leg one leg forward to the pure spiritual platform initially the weight is still on the material leg but then gradually, as the leg goes forward, we begin to uh, put our weight on the spiritual leg. And the, gradually, as the, the bodily weight shifts, there's no more weight on the material leg. And all the weight is on the spiritual leg. So first, we were practicing spiritual life with all the weight on the material leg and then we put it forward and then gradually it shifts with all the weight on the spiritual leg and the material weight leg is just it's just there but there's no more weight on it so what is happening here is a change of consciousness that first you can see in the in the bhagavad-gita you can see arjuna and you can see arjuna is totally desperate in the uh, battlefield kurukshetra the whole situation both both of the armies opposite each other, his family members on both sides, his mind is reeling, his bow is from, uh, sliding from his hand, and he is saying, 
to, uh, he's saying like, oh, Krishna, I shall not fight. Uh, then he doesn't know what to do anymore and he surrenders to Krishna. Karpanya dos bhaadis bhaadu chantam dos now I am your disciple, please instruct me. And then Krishna immediately goes, Asuchantami. Uh, he immediately says, You are mourning for what is not worthy of grief. That is the, that is the point. Uh, but you are looking at things from the material side, so overwhelmed. All your consciousness is there in the material plane. And then even when you are practicing spiritual life, still most of your consciousness is in the material plane and only a little bit of consciousness goes to the spiritual. So that is the difficulty. Now, when we are engaging in more and more devotional service, then the leg goes forward up in the air. And as that devotional service becomes regular, then and is supported by regular chanting, then gradually more and more the weight starts to shift on the spiritual leg. And then until one day there's no more weight on the material leg. And then we are liberated souls. We're on, on the spiritual platform and it is and we are in the uh, in the, in the, yeah, and we are in our material bodies, but in consciousness, we're not concerned with this world. You know what I'm saying? This world is not important. What is important in this world? Huh? This one is president, that one is president. Is it important? Ah, well, it all goes on. Yeah. Uh, so many things are uh, are actually coming to us, but it liberates the soul. This, this is not important. Somehow or other, if we can engage this and this material energy for Krishna, yes, then then it becomes important. But otherwise, what is so important in the material world? And that counts for good things and for, for bad things. What is so important? Uh, is the virus so important? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, disrupting the world pretty much. Uh, I said, yeah, you know, but uh, I said, yeah, but this virus is terrible because people are dying. True, but people are also dying of many other causes. And if you, if you look at this world-o-meter uh, statistics, then you can look at the, at the virus statistics, but you can also look at the general world statistics. And you see that like already since the beginning of the year, a huge number of people have died. If you just check it out, do it real quick because I have to take the phone right next to me. World meter, there we go. And okay, it's going to show up in a minute. The internet is slow in South Africa, but here it is, you know. Uh, so it says that uh, so far, worldwide, this year, 
17 million people have died. We're in, we're in, in, uh, in April, 17 million people have already died. And, and, and the corona, uh, I mean, I can look. And the corona, so, hold on, I'm gonna get it from somewhere. Uh, so far, 150,000 have died. So out of the 17 million people that have died, uh, 150,000 uh, have died of corona. So uh, people are dying of a lot of other things, uh, that's for sure. So actually, we're always living with death in the material world. And it's like, I like that, this, uh, that conversation Stuart Prabhupada had with this journalist uh, and, uh, and the journalist is raising the question that like why in India the uh, you know in India they may have some some philosophy like this because in India the death rate is very high and in the West the death rate is not so high and then Prabhupada said he said I don't see it like that I see that the death rate is the same everywhere, namely 100%. So that's like Prabhupada's brilliance. You know, Prabhupada had that sort of deep, penetrating common sense that could just lift all the illusion. The death rate is 100% all around the world. Uh, I mean, Prabhupada raises this question, evolution and okay, uh, you know, man came from monkeys. So if once monkeys were turning into man, why is it that now monkeys are not turning into man? Bang. Just a deep fundamental question. Anyhow, so back to where we want to go. Yes, we want to uh, be on the spiritual side, not on the, not that all our consciousness is preoccupied with matter and material things and then some Krishna. No, we want our, our consciousness to be preoccupied with Krishna. And then we'll have to have some dealings with matter because we're in the material world at this stage. Huh? We have to take bath, brush our teeth, uh, need some money, need a shelter, need this, need that. Adjust, you know, when there's a storm, we don't walk outside. When there's a raging fire, uh, virus, we may also not be outside. Or uh, a fire, I was saying, I was in Australia when these forest fires were there. And at one point, uh, I stayed outside in, in a house uh, in a foresty area and actually the uh, fires were 80 kilometers away, which I thought was quite close for a forest fire. Hmm. But what to do? Huh? If it's our time to go, it's our time to go. Lord Resub Dave was an incarnation of the uh, of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And Lord Recep Dave is totally transcendental and Lord Recep Dave is amazing and so on. But in the end, Lord Recep Dave 
he left his body in a forest fire. What can we say? All the transcendental devotee leaves all this up to Krishna. When it is time, then it is time. And Krishna can decide. The real thing is Krishna and Krishna's world and service to him. And if we're absorbed there in serving, serving him with, and everything is for him, and we maintain our principles of purity and dedication by chanting around, then, uh, then we can be there on that spiritual path. Then who cares about what goes on in this material world? We simply try to take the most favorable position for devotional service. Yeah, that's all. So, all right, we're online. I'm stuck. There are no planes. Uh, it's good for a Swami, all this flying, so many years in these planes. It's good to be grounded. It's good to be in one place. Someone said something like Chaturmasya. Yes, that is true. It is nice. A time for increased hearing and chanting. And so I'm very happy that I was able to share this evening with you. Um, because um, you are all Vaishnavas, all devotees. And the, uh, the energy of the devotees is very nourishing. The association with the devotees is, is giving us so much strength and inspiration. Therefore, yeah, very happy for, uh, for, uh, for being with you this evening on this topic. Uh, I think it's, it's now eight o'clock, we have half an hour left, or it's on my eight o'clock, you're seven in the UK. And uh, we have half an hour left and uh, we can spend that with some of your questions and I'll try to, uh, to answer them to the best of my ability. Thank you, Maharaj, for such a deep, thought-provoking and uh, enlightening talk on a very important topic. Um, you said vows are not so much to be followed with determination, but something to be embraced and something that we should nourish. So thank you so much for your really, really valuable insights. Just before we kick off the question and answer session, I wanted to make a little announcement. And that is to get out your calendar apps and save a few dates, because over the next three weeks, we have an amazing lineup of special guest speakers who are going to be enlightening us over the next three Fridays. So next week we have Mother Vishaka at 5.50 p.m. The week after that, His Grace Sutta Prabhu at 5.50. And uh, a little bit earlier in the day, in two weeks time, on Friday the 8th of May, we're very, very fortunate to be joined by His Holiness Bhakti Vigyan Swami. So everyone, please, please make a note of this and we'll uh, look forward to having your association then. But before we go, we do have a good half an hour um, to ask all of our questions and Maharaj, they've been uh, they've been flying in. They really have. And uh, oh, cool. <laughs> our first question comes from 
Her Grace Harika Devi Dasi. So uh, if you'd like to uh, speak, please go for it and ask your question. Harika, are you there? Harika? Hare Krishna, I welcome you here. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, we can hear you. Yeah. Uh, Hare Krishna, Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Sri Prabhupada. Thank you for your amazing um, class. So, my question is um, you know, there are wells we take externally that affect our physical behavior, relationships, and actions. What wells can we take internally, consciously, that can inspire us to become spiritually strong in respecting our external bodily vows? Because we are weak in the mind and every day deafened by distractions of our own mind. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I like that. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's right. It helps us to overcome our mind, and our mind is, is like I said, Pachavegam, Manasavegam, the pushings of of speech, the pushings of 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 the mind. Um, the mind is very uh, very strong in, 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 towards the material energy, and spiritually we are weak. So therefore, it really helps to anchor ourselves. We see that, you know, that Prabhupada's movement is not wishy-washy, you know. There are so many, wish, there's so much wishy-washy spiritualism in life, in, in the world, you know, in, in the spiritual marketplace. But Prabhupada's uh, teachings are, are not wishy-washy. Uh, they're not wishy-washy. Prabhupada's teachings are... Uh, are just very, uh, very nice, uh, clear. Yeah. This yes, that no. Uh, this is good. This is bad. And and that clarity is is giving us a huge grip on the mind. So living with with these vows is is like uh, setting us on a, on a really clear path. Yeah. A clear path of purity, and it, yes, it is it's a bit of a change from uh, where we were, but it is uh, it is very nice. One sec, I just got my cup of tea. Ah. You know, that's uh, a good thing. So, is that okay? Okay, let's take the next question. The next question comes from Verum. He says, if vows go hand in hand with hearing and chanting, what if one falls short of vows and finds it difficult to follow them? Should they be taking it as a shortcoming in their hearing and chanting? Or should they look at the nature of the vow and see what they're finding difficult about it? Uh, well, it, it's like... If, if we are not following the vows, then we are remaining uh, a bit fixed in our uh, bodily concept of life. And it will uh, 
keep our consciousness preoccupied with all the small uh, material things. The Bhagavad Gita calls that Ksudratma, we become small-minded. Whereas a devotee, Bhagavad Gita says, becomes Mahatma, becomes uh, great-minded, right? becomes broad-minded, is not looking at uh, this is going on, that is going on. Otherwise, material consciousness is hankering and lamenting. Yes. So when we are struggling with, with enjoying the senses and so on, then hankering and lamenting will still have a strong uh, influence on us. And so that will hold us back from getting the full fruits of chanting. Anyway, we still chant, you know, what do you do? You're, there's water on the floor and you're cleaning it up, but there's a leaking tap. Yeah, there's the tech, or like we see as a bottle of water, we should do, yeah, here's a bottle of water, say that with a pin, I make a little hole in the bottom, okay? And no, in the bottom, bottom, bottom. Yeah, and there's a little hole. Now if Rishi will drink, he'll still drink water, and that will still do things for him. But at the same time, no, not like that, Rishi, not like that. You drink it properly from the top, but it's, but at the same time, some water spills out at the bottom because I made a hole with the pin. So if there's a hole in, in our vows, in, in following our vows, it's like a leaking, leaking bottle. So it will come on the floor and you'll have to keep on, on, uh, on wiping up the floor. So you'll get benefit from the chanting and everything, but not fully. Uh, the full benefit you cannot get. Uh, so it takes a bit longer, you know, it will work, but it does go a bit slower. At that point, you are on the slow boat to China or on the slow lane, as I, I call it. I like to prepare it, compare it to the highway. And you got like, well, in Britain, it's like uh, left, right? So you got your, uh, your slow lane, and then on the left, and then you get your like fast lane, medium fast lane on the, in the middle lane, and then on the ultra right, you got the ultra fast lane. So choose your lane, yeah, choose your lane. If we are in the slow lane, all right, we'll get there. We'll, don't worry, we'll get there. It will just take a little longer. That's inevitable. So if you can go in the fast lane, you can get a sports car and just like, go for it, you know. Going forward. And, you know, uh, I, I, I used to say, yeah, there's the turtle lane. And then in the middle, there's the lane where a lot of people are. And then sometimes you get a really fast car coming from the back and lights flashing. And that overtakes us. And that's... That's Rupa Goswami. Yeah. That's Rupa Goswami. They are in the fast lane. They're in the lane of pure devotional service. And we are in the slow lane of, of struggling with material enjoyment. But it's okay. The devotional service will still act. It will still act. And we'll still make advancement. 
Okay, Rishi, what's the next question? Thank you, Maharaj. Uh, Krishna Kirtan Prabhu, have you got a question? Uh, one sec. Can you hear me? Mm. Okay. All good. I can. Hi, Maharaj. Okay. Hey, how are you? Okay. So, um, oh, Maharaj, um, Bhagavad Gita 930. Um, yeah. If one commits the most abominable actions, if he engages in devotional service, he is to be considered saintly because he is properly situated. Please, can you right. elaborate about accidental fall down versus purposeful fall down, both with the well, and the secondary vows? Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur. He, in his Bhagavad Gita commentary, is explaining this very nicely. I don't have it in front of me right now, because what I have in front of me is a bowl of, of apple crumble. <laughs> so, you know, what can I say? I'm going to take a bite in between. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the difference between, first of all, a person who commits abominable activities and is, is a devotee. Even if he falls down, internally, in consciousness, he's still a devotee. He's still thinking of Krishna. And therefore, that devotee is still, is uh, feeling the pain from what have I done? Why did I do it? The fact that he broke the vows beats his heart. And therefore the devotee is still trying to, uh, uh, to get back, or at least even if he can't, he would, he would have liked to be on the standard. Therefore still saintly, still saintly. Um, but if one becomes hopelessly addicted right, to sense gratification, if one becomes envious of the Supreme Lord, you know, these are two things that can, can really make one fall from the spiritual platform in a more uh, long-term way. So accidental fall down, something happens, but we are now uh, trying to pull our socks back up. We're gonna try and follow again. Um, if we are becoming hopelessly addicted to falling down, then we begin to uh, really slow down our progress. And if we become envious of the Lord or envious of the devotees, then that fall down, is, that is even more serious. Then we can really freeze our advancement. Then, you know, mad elephant offense and we can hmm, remain... Uh, remain stuck for a long time. So the most serious type of fall down is the fall down that comes from Vaishnava Aparaj. That is the, that can set us back for a long time. Asvatthama had to have a goat head for a kalpa. He had to wait a long time. Then the uh, sensual fall down 
due to sensual weakness is of a lesser degree. But if it becomes like a regular thing, then we're a devotee who really struggles and have, have a major problem. Or if it is sometimes an accidental fall down, then we can easily get over. Uh, we, we try to rectify ourselves and carry on on the path. But you know, all our devotees and all are still, even if we become hopelessly addicted to sense gratification, still, still we are devotees at heart. So, Apichet Sudra Chiru Bajite Mamalanyiva Sadri Gizamantavya Sandhyakyabhisitari Still saying this. But accidental fall down can easily happen. We get too close to the material energy. And it is like yesterday I was speaking from Jagadananda's Prema Vivarta. Jagadananda Pandit. Prema Vivarta is a book about Lord Chaitanya, his teachings and transformations of love. That's what it's really called. And uh, there's a verse there. Krishna Bahya Mukahaya Bhogavan Sakaya Nikitastamaya Tarajapatiya It said, if you are coming close to the external energy, then Nikitastamaya, Maya is nearby, and she will slap you down. You will not fall down, she will slap you down. So if you get too close to the material energy, then you could be slapped down by Maya. If we underestimate the power of Maya, then there's always that potential of a fall down. Mm -hmm. This is my dinner, you know. And it's very tasty. <laughs> Thank you, Maharaj. Now that we're, now that we're streaming on... Everyone is at home, you know, so it's like when I speak to people, this one's brushing his teeth while I'm talking <laughs> and that one in the kitchen. The other one is playing with the kids. It's like, that's how it is now. We are all no longer in formal programs. We're all at home. Cup of tea, you know. Marge, we've got one more, uh, well, number of further questions. Uh, this one's an anonymous mm -hmm. question. The devotee is asking if one is struggling with chanting and decreases the chanting and increases devotional service to help the chanting situation, would that be a dishonor to the spiritual master as the vow was made to chant 16 rounds daily? Well, I think if you're initiated and you've actually promised to chant the 16 rounds and you have to decrease it, then if you can, you should tell your spiritual master. You know, but spiritual masters don't know about this phenomenon, you know, that disciples struggle sometimes to chant and sometimes he may make a temporary adjustment. If someone cannot chant 16 rounds every day, then sometimes he make an arrangement, start on a lower number and just get fixed in that. And then over time you can, uh, 
you can you can come to to uh, to 16. Sheila um, Bhakti Siddhanta, Saraswati Thakur, he says, we are initiated in the mantra, Kirtaniya Sadahari, or we are initiated in the mantra to always chant the holy name of the Lord. So we're not initiated in 16 rounds or 64 rounds, but in Kirtaniya Sadahari, to always chant the Lord. So 16 rounds only the beginning. From there, we can go on. That depends, you know, we're all living in this, uh, for now we're all living in the modern world. Let's see how long it lasts. <laughs> yeah. But we're living in the, in the modern world and of, of bandwidth and of this and that. But you can see things can change fast, as we see. And, and who knows? Huh? Maybe in the future, in the not so far off future, it will no longer be about how many horsepower your, uh, your, your car is, but you may have to actually work with horses and bullocks and, uh, and, and all these things. We might have to return to the land. If the economy would collapse, then real wealth is not Bitcoin. Real wealth is grain and milk and, and vegetables is food. Right? So then we come to, to a, a totally different lifestyle, which will make it, which might be more supportive for spiritual life. Like if you're living with electricity, then uh, the tendency is to stay up late at night. But if it's dark, if there's no electricity, then the tendency is to just go to bed. You know? I mean, how long can you sit there by candlelight? You know, after a while. <laughs> so when there's no, no electricity and you start to live with the sun, automatically things become more natural and automatically become closer to rising at the auspicious time, the Brahma Muhurta, and automatically chanting becomes easy so sometimes people think i'm struggling with spiritual life and sometimes i think you're not struggling so much with spiritual life you're struggling with material life because we're living in this artificial material arrangements which don't leave as much time to chant you know to chant in the morning when is there time you know this that you know get ready rush off to work and you know mumble a few rounds in between and then work 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 and then you know at night so many left and then sort of chanting them without any any life lifeless chanting and then so it's understandable that sometimes people uh, get stuck and if you don't think of the village life hope you can hear me while i'm talking with my apple crumble sugar-free but with dates very tasty mm. and uh, yeah we can just see that in the village there's so much time you know good morning rishi howdy how are you doing oh great swami how are you going 
you know, it's not like uh, you know, city slickers, uh, you know, hi Swami, gotta go. Uh, great to see you. You know, stay, you know, stand clear of the closing door, you know. There flies the train. Very different, you know. The morning sunshine, you know. Uh, yeah, also things to do in the village, but also more time in village life, just more time. So maybe our, our, if we would, maybe if this virus will kill the, uh, the modern economy, we'll be forced to uh, start to depend more on local produce and returning more close to nature. Let's see. It's interesting. It's, let's see where it goes. Okay, let's get another question. Thank you, Maharaj. I think we have time for one final question. Let's see if we can squeeze in two. Um, Yogesh, can I uh, humbly request you to turn your microphone on and ask your question. Hare, Hare Krishna, can you hear me? Yes, yes. All good. Hare Krishna Maharaj, wonderful to see you. Thank you. Uh, my, I, I'm reading it again, it might sound a little technical, but I will ask the question. Uh, are, are the vows, Maharaj, are they a subcategory of devotional service, or are these an austerity in the regulatory aspects of the Vedas? Mm -hmm. um, the vows are um, when we are following the prohibitions of no meat, fish, eggs, no gambling, no intoxication, and so on. These are main vows that we are taking. Huh? The prohibitions are in itself not transcendental. They're not part of bhakti. You don't get bhakti by following these prohibitions. They are rather prerequisites. So they are regulated principles of the mode of goodness. Then, that will help us to give up sinful activity because the mode of goodness is about giving up sinful activity and then we can take up transcendental activities such as chanting Hare Krishna and other devotional service without any influence of sinful activity. Mm. Then there are many other vows that we are also following. Uh, um, like I said, um, there are vows like rising early in the morning uh, which is recommended so um, someone everyone may every devotee may set some sort of time you know like okay i'm gonna try and get up early enough so that i get a chance to do something in the morning uh, many devotees when they get up at seven they they apologize because <laughs> i said i'm sorry I got up only at seven today. Whereas, you know, in the material world, seven is a very respectable time right, to rise. You know, there's like absolutely nothing wrong with seven. Come on, that's, that's even on the early side. Some are getting up at eight and that's still quite normal. Mm -hmm. So, but for a devotee, 
seven would be late. Yeah? Even, even at home, we try and get up a bit earlier so that we have some time. So there are these kind of vows which we embrace ourselves. And uh, these vows, many of them are just Vedic principles of the mode of goodness. It is direct vows that deal directly with devotional service. So rising in the morning in itself, early in the morning, is not bringing you, is not bringing you bhakti. Yeah. Um, fasting uh, is in itself not going to bring bhakti unless we connect it with Krishna. So we rise early in the morning and then we chant. We take advantage of that early time to chant. Now it gives us bhakti. We're fasting, but we do it on Jamastami. Now it gives us bhakti. Yeah. So all these austerities, prohibitions, these elements of vows, the prohibitions, the austerity, are just in the mode of goodness. Yeah. Whereas the positive vows of doing devotional service, of chant so many rounds, I'll, I'll read every day, one hour, such kind of, of so there are spoken vows, there are unspoken vows. Yeah. The 16 rounds and the four regulated principles really spoke. But out of the two, it's the 16 rounds that, that are transcendental and that will give us bhakti. So we can see uh, both elements are there. Some are Vedic principles of the mode of goodness and others, positive activities in service are actually direct devotional service. Thank you, Marge. I think we have time. Just gonna squeeze one final question, if that's okay. It's yeah. Sorry. It's an anonymous one, um, relating to the earlier part of your talk. Could you explain more about the feeling of Krishna and more of what happens when we left the spiritual world? Well, obviously, um, when the living entity, the living entity is a tiny part and parcel of Krishna. Yeah? And therefore the living entity has the same nature of Krishna, but in minute quantity. So Krishna has independence, so the living being also has independence. And as such, the living being uh, can um, not only serve Krishna, but the living being is not obliged to serve Krishna. Potentially, the living being could also be served. When the living being upon eternally discovers this, this possibility within his nature, there are a few options. One option is that living being immediately forgets about it, carries on with devotion. Another option is the living being dwells for a moment. As soon as the thought comes up, he is in a marginal state. He's in a tatasta state. He's in between. It's just like the example. Say you are uh, busy serving me. 
and you are serving a meal, right? And you're just serving all the preparations and things. And then for a moment, you're standing there and you're thinking to yourself, hey, I could also be served a meal instead of serving itself. So, and you're standing there thinking about that. And then I say, hey, Rishi, daydreaming? Are you there? Yeah. I'll say, wake I'm up. Here, yeah, okay, good. I'll say, hey, wake up, you know. I mean, I want some more of, of, uh, of that sabji. Oh, okay, yes, and you're back. <laughs> and serving. So, as soon as one starts, as soon as the living being starts to ponder the option of, hey, I could, could also be served instead of serving, then for a moment, the serving is on pause. And at that state, he is in the Tatasta region from where he can choose. No, I go back to service. Or, well, maybe I'll pursue this idea a little more. Myself being served, myself being the enjoyer instead of Krishna. Interesting. And so it's curiosity that kills the cat. And then the living being next moment uh, comes down to the material realm to explore this desire to lord it over and enjoy and has to wind up in a material body. And then we are here now, Anadi Bahimukha, since time immemorial, life after life after life after life, going through different bodies. And Punapunas Charita Charanam, chewing the chewed. Same thing again and again, life after life trying to enjoy the same things. And until we now say, is the material world that good? I mean, is it really, really that good? Some might say, yeah, yeah, it is, it is, it is. Huh? But it's not always good, you know. If you ask, you know, Boris, right? If, if life is really good, I'm sure that Boris will say, well, I thank God, you know, at the moment, I'm sure he'll say, I thank God that I'm still here, right? Because, you know, the memories of, of going through a real hard time are still fresh with Boris. So in this way, um, yes, it's not just that good. Right? It's not always that good. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. And you know, I, I sort of speak to a lot of people who tell me about their life. And this one has a hole in his heart, and that one has one, one eye that's blind, and another one is this, another one is that. This one has only one kidney, and this, it's amazing, amazing how much suffering there is in this material world. Once upon a time, my, you know, once upon a time, there was a um, devotee in New York and a policeman saw him and said, oh, nice to see a monk, you know. Can you tell me, what is it? What is it in your religion? that you have to give up 
a policeman on the street is asking the question, in your religion, what is it you have to give up? And the answer was suffering. And, uh, and the cops said, that makes sense because they see enough of it, you know what I mean? They see a lot of it. That's the cop, you know. It, cops deal with suffering. Okay. It is over. Thank you, Maharaj. Yeah, a final goodbye, a final thank you for having me with all of you. Um, stay, uh, stay together, you know, my last three words okay, uh, to you is stay together with the devotees because uh, that's the only way that we get uh, the spiritual nourishment and strength to remain transcendental. So this is super good that we're doing this and you got a good lineup coming. So stay with it. Stay with it because it will just give you the strength to get through all of this. And that must be Krishna's plan. So I think whatever's going on gives us a chance to do something good. So Pandavasena, great to be with you and looking forward to see you again and Pandavasena, uh, you know, once we can start traveling again, uh, I want to invite you to uh, for a tour to New York and we'll have a big party there. Okay. Sounds like a plan, Maharaj. Thank you so much for your, uh, your time, your invaluable association. Thank you so much for your time, your invaluable association and your wonderful insights on what it means to live a life of vows. I'm so sorry for the other devotees. They had so many questions, but unfortunately, it's only the spiritual world that's governed by Rasa. The material world is governed by times. So we have to cut it here, unfortunately. But um, I'm pleased to announce that the recording will be made available and will be sent out very, very soon. Uh, on behalf of Pandavasena, I'd like to wish you all a very, very warm, healthy and Krishna conscious weekend. And we shall hopefully see you all next week on Friday at 5.50 for a wonderful program with Mother Vishaka. Thank you to all the devotees and uh, thank you all so much to His Holiness Gadamagandana Swami. His Holiness Gadamagandana Swami Ki Jai. 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 Jai.